0: Good evening. Good to see everybody tonight. Uh, this is not recorded <laughs> so uh, you're getting it live tonight uh, last <laughs> week you had to get it recorded uh, but uh, glad to have you with us we are uh, on Facebook and on Twitter there at HBC Tullahoma you can find us there on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma as well as our phone live streaming number uh, so be sure to heart to like to share those posts uh, to let others know that we're live and that way also it'll just be another invite to get people uh, to join with us so share all those that you see on your screen there uh, with others. Whichever platform that you're on if you're on YouTube be sure to go ahead and subscribe hit the notification bell That'll just let you know every time we go live also in that phone live streaming number there that you see You can use that also and it'll automatically call you each time we go live also go ahead and go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com Uh, If you'll go to that site uh, under the info tab, uh, that's where you'll find out it's just a few tabs over. uh, You can find there our worship bulletin for each week. Uh, It has all the upcoming activities for uh, this week and and even beyond. So encourage you to go ahead and get that downloaded so you'll know what's going on at the church. Uh, Also under that same uh, tab, you can find the worship bulletins for kids. Uh, It has a lot of activities on it. Some of them have some little online things that they can do. It has a little code down at the bottom. You can share those with any anybody you want you can print them off yourself use for your kids use for your grandkids uh, share those with anybody you want uh, anywhere and so encourage you to, to do that also and then also under that info tab is where you can download the prayer list as well as the newsletter the newsletter comes out once a month that is on the website too that you can download but our prayer list for tonight you'll want to go ahead and get that downloaded now so that you'll be ready when we get to the prayer time uh, there and be able to go over the prayer list with us. And while you're there on the website, uh, be sure to go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. There, uh, you can do your online giving. It's a very simple, easy platform. Uh, there, when you click on that, takes you to. Uh, and then also, you can uh, send that to the church at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee 37388, or you can drop it by the church anytime Monday through Thursday. Uh, during our regular business hours. So encourage you to take the time uh, to do those things. You can also go ahead uh, there in the comments and comment and share with us uh, any prayer requests that you have so that when we get to that time, uh, we'll already see those and we can share those. Uh, But also if you would like one of our, the books that we're giving away for the series on Sunday mornings, uh, The Illustrated Life of Jesus, if you're here in person they are on the sides of the stage at the back as you leave that way or out here in the hallway uh, on the table, be sure to pick up one of those. if you're at home, comment there, let us know that, we'll get back in touch with you, or you can just send us an email at Highland Baptist, Tullahoma at gmail.com or highlandbaptist at cafes.net. Either one of those, you can send a message to us uh, with your address, we'll send that out to you free of charge, as well as the list of numbers uh, for the book of Revelation. So if you want any of those in person, we do have a few of those copies if you want uh, one of those. So just wanted to make you aware of those things. Uh, Brother Mike, I guess you'll come and lead us in our camp.
1: Those of you here, take your hymnals out and turn to 320. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, 320. For the rest of you, the words are on the screen. Miss Pat?
0: Thank you, Miss Pat. And uh, if I'm a little bit slow tonight, I have a headache, so bear with me uh, with that. Um, let me share with you some uh, prayer requests that we want to share uh, and update. Uh, Parker Crouch is doing better. Yes, he is. In- And he's at Southern Tennessee Rehab, doing better, so just continue to pray for him as he goes through uh, rehab. That's on the friends and family side. We do want to continue praying for the people of Ukraine uh, and all of our missionaries and all of the churches there especially too. Uh, We want to pray for um, uh, Alan Wainwright III, his family. He passed away uh, since we had mentioned this before uh, last week. Uh, So keep his family in your prayers. He was my cousin. Uh, uh, Mayor Ray Noahs, he's doing better, and we just praise the Lord for that. Uh, he was at our last board meeting uh, this past Monday, uh, so continue to remember him in prayer as he continues, but uh, he is doing uh, a whole lot better. You'll also want to continue to remember James Myers' family and the passing of his dad, Cotton Myers. Uh, they had his funeral uh, the other day, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, on They had that on Monday, so keep him in your prayers uh, with that. And then um, I have my cousin's wife, uh, Debbie Norman, on the prayer list also, who's in ICU with COVID. Uh, they had, we had mentioned that she had been on the ventilator since the 4th of January. They took her off a couple of weeks ago, and she's breathing on her own, but she still has not woken up. Uh, not, she's not in a medically induced coma. Uh, she's just in that state uh, physically. So. Uh, keep her uh, in your prayers, and then also uh, we sent out a call out this week. Also, as uh, Tracy Henderson asked us, uh, to her her dad Tommy Bass uh, was taken to the VA hospital in Nashville, and so uh, he is uh, in stage four uh, lung cancer. So we want to keep him uh, in our prayers and his family uh, in our prayers too. And let me get over to our broadcast here, and hopefully I'm not on. That way I can follow along to make sure. Uh, we have any prayer requests here. Uh, Tommy Bass had also asked and we did not get, uh, I don't think we had her on the list here, uh, but his mom, uh, we had had her before on the list. Uh, and she may be double check. No, I think we took her off, but we do need to continue to pray for her. Uh, they were having to make some tough decisions about putting her, uh, possibly in a nursing home so uh, keep him and his family in your prayers as they make those decisions. Uh, Also on our HBC family side Alicia Snell was to have an MRI biopsy earlier this week on Monday Uh, that got postponed and that's on March the 11th now so keep her in your prayers Uh, that just creates a lot more anxiety having to wait uh, to have her her biopsy. Yeah, so keep her in your prayers with that. And then also Jonathan Sype, his father suddenly passed away uh, the other day. His funeral will be tomorrow. Uh, The visitation will be from 11 to 2 at the Coffee County Funeral Home with the service at 2. His name is Sherman Mays. Uh, That's Jonathan Sype's dad. So keep him uh, in your prayers and that family uh, in your prayers. And then one that we want to add to our prayer list, uh, we've known... Uh, At least I have known some of the situation that's going on here, but we're at liberty to share uh, now and to ask your prayers for. Uh, Erin Murray uh, has breast cancer, and it is positive that she does. So they don't know any of the procedures of what they're going to be doing yet, but we do want to uplift her and her family uh, in your prayers. Um, From what I understand, at least at this point, they're saying that it's a rare form so they don't know how it'll respond to treatments but they'll know more in the days ahead when they meet with the oncologists and stuff to develop the plan of care for her but that's Erin Murray to remember her uh, in your prayers. Any others that we need to remember? Any there on Facebook? Uh, any here in person that you want to share? Yeah, so we want to remember Wendy Crouch. Uh, hopefully things are going well there. And did I understand that Miss um, Beverly had her last radiation? Was that today or yesterday? Yes. One, one of the days this week. So we praise the Lord for that. But uh, she looked great in the picture that I saw, good spirits. That's good. So we do want to keep her in our prayers, too, that everything goes well as they follow up with the visits on that to see how things went with that, with the radiation. Yes. Yeah, so do continue to keep Miss Beverly uh, in your prayers. Uh, I just happened to catch that earlier this morning on Facebook there. Any others? I don't see any others or hear any others. If you're there online, you can still comment. You can still send those emails Uh, up until the time that we uh, end our broadcast. We'll look again at the very end just to make sure if there are any announcements, and we'll share those at the very end. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, with all of these uh, prayer requests that we've mentioned uh, tonight. Heavenly Father, as we come before you in prayer, Lord, we know that you love us and that you care for us. And we just want to thank you, Lord, for doing the greatest thing that you could have ever done, and that is to send your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that we could have eternal life with you forever. And so, Father, I pray that you will uh, bless us because of that relationship that we have with you, bless us in our obedience to you. But, Lord, we know that there are many times we sin against you. We do things that you've told us not to do in your word. There are some times, Lord, that we don't do things that you've told us we should do. And so, Father, I pray that you would forgive us and cleanse us of all of our sin. We don't want to hold on to any of that in our hearts because we want you to hear our prayers. We want to pray powerful, effectual prayers, Lord, that are heard from on high. And so, Father, we just come before you and earnestly begin to pour ourselves out before you. Lord, I pray that in this month, as we uh, have this emphasis in prayer, Lord, that we would, uh, we would uh, as I've shared in our newsletter article, to, to spend 10 days, whatever days that is, Uh, But to spend 10 days in the month of March earnestly praying, praying uh, for your spirit to be poured out upon us, praying for you to move within our hearts, praying for the preaching, praying for the songs praying that you would speak to our hearts, praying for souls to be saved, praying for believers to be discipled, uh, praying, God, that you will just have uh, your way and will in our lives and that you would do a miracle within us and and send revival. Send us, Lord, uh, bring bring about uh, the growth in the church that only can happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we give ourselves to you and we ask you to lead us, to guide us in all that we say and all that we do. And, And we just humbly come before you, Lord. Uh, lifting up each and every one of these that we've mentioned tonight. Uh, Lord, we know that some of these individuals, their hearts are very heavy because they have lost a loved one. And so we just pray, Lord, that you'll send the Holy Spirit, who's the great comforter, to comfort their hearts and to encourage them and to give them that strength they need in this hour. Lord, we pray that you'll give them that peace that your word tells us passes all understanding. And, and Lord, that they will be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death uh, even now. Father, give them strength, and and may they find that strength as they lean more upon you uh, each and every moment of each and every day. Father, I pray that uh, you would be with those who, who have find themselves in, in uh, a physical situation with some medical issues, some, uh, um, sometimes a disease, a sickness, whatever it may be. Father, we want to uplift each and every one of those individuals to you. We know that you are the great physician. And so we just pray, God, that uh, in your power, in your glory, that you would reach down and touch those individuals to bring that healing. And Lord, I pray that we would testify of, of the great and mighty things that you are doing. We thank you so much, Lord, for the answers to prayers and how you have heard our prayers uh, on behalf of so many, Lord, uh, who have heard, uh, who, who we've uplifted to you, that you brought that, that healing to their bodies. Uh, Father, we thank you for doctors and nurses and those you've given the wisdom to take care of us. And we just pray that you'll continue uh, to bless them and use them, Lord, as many of these are are seeking out that medical care. Uh, But, Father, we know that you are the great physician, so we uplift them to you and ask you to do your wonder-working power. Uh, in their hearts and in their lives. Encourage those families, Lord, that have just received uh, some of these news uh, of things that they're facing in the days ahead. And we just pray for your encouragement in their lives. May we as a church uh, be there to surround them and support them and encourage them and to do what we can. But, Father, I pray that you will walk with them through uh, these days and that it will be used to bring them closer than ever before to you, that you might use them in a powerful way uh, in in bringing about a lasting legacy uh, of your kingdom. Uh, going forth uh, throughout their lives. Father, we just pray for uh, you to be glorified in the healings that are brought about. We pray for the good of each and every one of these individuals uh, because we know that that's what your word promises, uh, that you will bring good for us and you will bring glory to your name. So, Lord, we give it all to you and we ask, Lord, for you to lead us and guide us tonight as we study your word. We pray, God, and do desire to hear from you. Uh, Even as we're looking here at these churches in the book of Revelation, uh, especially tonight, the church at Sardis. Uh, Father, I just pray that as we look at this living dead church, which seems like an oxymoron to us, Father, that we would realize that any of us as a church and as Christians are but one step away from being in the same place that this church at Sardis was. And so, Father, I pray that we will heed the message, that we will heed the warnings, that we will take whatever steps we need to take in our lives to make sure we are alive and vibrant, following your will and your way, and may your Holy Spirit empower us and quicken us, make us alive in in your kingdom work, uh, that you will use us to bring souls to faith in Christ and, and continue to see those believers grow in their walk with you. So lead us tonight through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1 uh, is what we're going to start with. And as we've been looking at each one of these, uh, we only have two more churches to go through. Anybody know what those two churches are off the top of your head? We know Laodicea is coming because that's the one that's so familiar to us, Philadelphia is the other church that we're going to be looking at uh, next week and then Laodicea, uh, the last uh, of the seven letters. So here in verse 1 of chapter 3 in the book of Revelation, uh, John is still writing what Jesus is saying to the seven churches. Uh, Some have looked at these seven churches over the years as, as different ages of the church. Uh, I'm not sure that that uh, is really true because in every age you see uh, the characteristics of every one of these churches uh, in every age. I mean, if you were to look at uh, the church at Ephesus that lost their first love, there are still churches today who find themselves in that place who have lost their first love. Uh, And as well as we're going to see tonight about this church at Sardis who are living, dead churches. And so verse 1 begins this and says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. So as you begin there, uh, he's, he's talking about to the angel of the church. You remember we've talked about this before, but just to refresh you, the word angel there is the word messenger. It's the one who is the, the pastor of that church that he's writing to. Uh, so he's writing to the leadership of that church at Sardis. And he says, write this, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. That's all back in chapter 1, that description of who that is. Who is that? Jesus. And we know that very plainly and clearly. So I want you to keep that in your mind as we're seeing some of these symbolisms, because when we get to chapter 4 and begin the road then on into the rest of the book of Revelation, there's going to be a lot of symbolism uh, that we're going to see there. And I don't want you to forget what chapter 1 had to say uh, to us. So he says, here's the message. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. But you're dead. So when you look at the seven churches, of the seven churches uh, which John wrote letters to, there are two uh, which he has nothing positive to say to them. Uh, One of those churches which had no good qualities about it is this church here at Sardis. And and we'll add some qualifiers to that in a little bit here. For all practical purposes, it was a dead church in a dead city. Have you ever been to a church and, and you just came away with the feeling, man, that just seems like a dead church. It doesn't seem like there's any life in that church. It doesn't seem like the Lord is is moving or or, or working uh, in that church. Uh, you ever heard of somebody else who refers to a church as a dead church? Well, it's one thing for uh, someone uh, to, to say that a church is dead. Uh, it's Another thing for me to say that a church is dead, but it's an entirely different matter when the Lord Jesus Christ examines the church and says, you're dead. I mean, this is bad. The message uh, is, is terminal here for them. Uh, there are really three kinds of churches in, in any church building, as there are three kind of Christians uh, in, in any, amongst any Christians. Uh, there is the church that the church thinks they are there's the church that others think they are, and then there's the church that God knows that they are. And when Jesus calls a church dead, uh, you may as well call the coroner, make the funeral arrangements, because that church is truly dead. And this church at Sardis, they were not a weak church uh, that that needed restoration. Uh, It wasn't here about revival. Uh, that they needed. It, it wasn't a sick church that needed rejuvenation. It was a dead church that needed resurrection. Uh, society had had written over the doors of this church. That's a great church over there. The, the, you, it would almost be like in today's terms, the denomination writing over their over their door. Uh, this is a super church. But God had written over this door, Ichabod. It's dead. Uh, This church really had two problems, because first of all, this church uh, wasn't what the world thought it was, but neither was it the church that God wanted it to be. Uh, Dr. Vance Havner said once, he said that every ministry begins with a man, and then it becomes a movement, and then it becomes a machine, and then it becomes a monument. Well, this church was in that monument stage uh, of existence. Uh, It was living on the past reputation, but it was a shadow of its former self. And so I want you to see, first of all, in in verse 1 here, in just that little phrase, the reputation of the church. Uh, Notice what it says again at the beginning here uh, of verse 1 in the message he has particularly for them. He says, I know your works. I know your works. Now, the church of Sardis, they had acquired a, a, a quite a name. Uh, in fact, he says you have the reputation uh, of being alive. Uh, it was a well-respected church. It was well-respected in the city. It was known by all the other six churches for its vitality, for its vigor. Uh, If you had lived in Pergamum or Ephesus or Thyatira and you were moving to Sardis, you could have said to anybody, do you know a good church over in Sardis? And they would have said, yeah, go to the church at Sardis. That's the best church over there. I hear that church is filled with all kinds of life and activity. If you had moved to Sardis. Anybody and everybody there in the community would have said, yeah, if you want a church, uh, you don't worship these other gods, then you go over there to that church at Sardis. You need to check that church out. Uh, that's where things are really happening uh, over there. I hear good things are happening at that church. Now think about it. There was no false doctrine. You think about the other churches that Jesus had said to them, you've been following false doctrines. You're trying to mix the, the world into this church, uh, into the things of God and, and try to do both. Uh, and ride the fence, if you will, well, there was no false doctrine that was taking place uh, taking root in this church. Uh, there was no uh, there was no teaching of the doctrine of Balaam that we heard about before. Uh, there wasn't any of the the Nicolaitans in this church, and anybody who was somebody was a member of this church. Uh, doctors were joining this church, lawyers, the professionals, the politicians everybody liked this church, and from every appearance, it was a tremendous a tremendously devoted and dynamic fellowship. Uh, they had money to spend. They had manpower to burn. They had worked hard at making a name for themselves. And Jesus says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. So everything about their reputation spoke to say, this church is alive, but you know, labels can sometimes be very deceptive. You see, you can't always rely on a name to tell you the truth about a situation because reputation isn't necessarily the same thing as reality. Uh, Every I was dotted, every T was crossed, and on the outside, it looked like an awesome church. The sad thing is this church had begun to believe what others were saying about them but I want you to see the reality of the church. Not only the reputation, but the reality. Not just what everybody else said about this church, but what is the reality of this church. So look at the second part of verse one. He said, you had the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Jesus has never been very much impressed with reputation. When he looked at this church, his verdict was, you're dead. The reality was far different than the reputation. What did the reputation say? The reputation said, you're alive. The reality said, you're dead. The great physician had taken the pulse of this church and found out there was no heartbeat. It wasn't a dying church. It was already dead. This was a church that, that had reputation without reality. It had form without force. It had function without unction. It was all smoke and mirrors, if you will. It, it would kind of be like when you go back into the, to the Gospels in the New Testament, and, and, and you remember the Pharisees of Jesus' day? You remember what Jesus said? to the Pharisees. Here's the passage I want you to see, Matthew 23 and verse 27 and verse 28. Jesus said, "Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, a whitewashed tomb, man, that was like having the prize kind of tomb that you wanted to have. It looked great on the outside. It's beautiful and appears beautiful on the outside, but within You are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. In reality, this, this church was like a spiritual graveyard. Uh, the pulpit, if you will, was, was like a coffin. The pews were simply open graves, and the building uh, was a mausoleum. The church was, was kind of like a rotten tooth, if you will, alive on the outside but dead on the inside. And this would have been that church that the Pharisees would have loved to attend. Because for the most part, dead people go to dead churches. The Pharisees would have been right at home here. So what are the characteristics of a dead church? Well, a dead church has the same characteristics as a dead person does. And I want you to see two of those from this passage tonight. First of all, it was a lifeless church. It was a lifeless church. A dead person is a person that from whom the human spirit has departed. Likewise, a dead church is a church in which the Holy Spirit has departed. Did you know this and understand this? That it's not the people that give life to the church. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life to a church. It's not the program. It's not the pastor. It's not the preaching or the singing or the service. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life to a church. Now, our nation is filled with spiritual mausoleums, religious monuments, if you will, filled with dead men standing behind dead pulpits in front of dead choirs preaching to dead people a dead message. Somebody wrote uh, to a friend one time and said this, how are things going at your church? And the friend wrote back and said this, you'd better pray for us here. The blower's still on, but the furnace is out. (laughs) There are a lot of churches just like that. They have the blower going, full blast, but the furnace is out. They're all light and no heat. That was the kind of church that the church at Sardis was. It was a lifeless church, a church where the Holy Spirit had left the building, if you will. Uh, Jesus had stuck his head in the door and looked around at the church, and the stink and the smell of death filled his nostrils. You know, there are a lot of people And even churches who are like Samson, who as it says in Judges chapter 16 and verse 20, uh, it says that he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. There's a lot of people in a lot of churches who don't realize that the Lord has departed from them. One of the most fascinating things about a dead church is so often it can look alive on the outside and yet be dead on the inside. You ever seen uh, somebody kill a chicken, cut their head off? What happens to the rest of the chicken? It runs. It's got all kind of activity and, and life it seems like within it. You ever killed a snake and you cut the head off? What happens to the rest of the body? It's just sitting there wiggling and all kinds of energy and, and fervor. Uh, you've never seen a chicken or, or, or a snake like that with more life in them uh, and, and yet, Either one of them has never been more dead than when that happens. Think about the two lessons that that teaches us. First of all, a thing can look alive and yet be dead. And secondly, a thing can be dead and not even know it. Did you know that you can dress up a dead church and make it look alive? I mean, think about it. Isn't it interesting that the one time you can always count on somebody being dressed in their Sunday best is when they're laid out in their casket. That's the one time that a person is dressed to kill when they're dead. So you understand that you can dress a church up with all kinds of activities, all kinds of programs, and and pad the pews and carpet the floors and, and, and robe the choirs and still have a dead church. You can have all the smoke and mirrors you want, and it still be dead. Because understand this, it's not what a church does, but rather what a church is that determines whether or not it's alive. It's not a church's recreation, nor is it a church's reputation. It's a church's relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ that determines whether or not it's alive. Sardis was a church that was living off of the past reputation. They had been a great church, but no more. There's a very interesting fact that I came across uh, when you look at the North Star, you look at any star, but in particular the North Star that I wanted to share with you, uh, the Polaris Star. Uh, Astronomers tell us that the light from the North Star, and this is uh, probably in the last decade, uh, they found out that it's actually closer than what they originally thought that it was. It takes about 433 years for the light of that star to reach Earth. You ever thought about that? In other words, the light you see when you go out tonight, if it's clear sky, which it should be, and you see the North Star, it's actually from 433 years ago. So it's possible for that star to fall from its orbit, to be plunged into total darkness 433 years ago, and yet for us to still see the light from 433 years ago today. It could be a dead star solely shining on the light of a brilliant past. That's the point that Jesus is saying about this church. You had a great reputation that you were alive. But let me tell you something, you're dead. That was the church at Sardis. It was living off of the glow of the past reputation that couldn't match the present reality how often do we hear even in church and uh, not just this church every church you hear you know remember when we used to do that and how great things were back there and we live off the past reputation instead of seeking to make today uh, the thing we look back on 10 to, 10 to 15 years from now so not only was it a lifeless church it was a loveless church Because when you look at a dead person, a dead body doesn't love anybody. A dead person doesn't have emotions. A dead person doesn't have feelings. And so likewise, a dead church is a loveless church. The reason we know this is that wherever God is, there is going to be love. And because the Bible says God is love, yet a dead church loves nothing, feels nothing, experiences nothing. You think about the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus, what had they lost? They had lost their first love. Jesus doesn't even say that about this church at Sardis. They didn't love anybody but themselves. Uh, Nothing mattered to them but their reputation. They just wanted to make sure that the community, uh, that, that other people knew, anyone who was anybody, thought that their church was a great church. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. God's kingdom work and what we are to be about here at Highland is not to be about Highland. It's not to be about us. It's to be about Jesus. We're to be uplifting Jesus. We're to be making him known to the world, not making our church known to the world, not making even our denomination known to the world, making Jesus known to the world. But I want you to see the final point here coming in verse 2. Well, not the final, almost the final. You know how a preacher is. (laughs) I want you to see the rebuke to the church in verse 2 and verse 3. The rebuke to the church. Look at verse 2 to begin with. He says to them, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. He says, I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. So Jesus gives some advice here in in verse 2. He tells this sleepy church to wake up and the slothful uh, to get up. Uh, There were three kinds of Christians in this church. There were dead Christians, so Jesus says to them, wake up, be watchful. There were dying Christians, so he says to them, uh, strengthen what remains and is about to die. There's some of you that are there, you're about to die. There's a bunch of you that have already died. But there's some of you, a few of you, that still haven't died yet, but you're about to. And he says, strengthen what remains in you and is about to die. That is, you're not dead yet, but you're about to die. So get with it. Get on the ball. Get with the program. Get back to your relationship with me. But then there were those dedicated Christians whom he addresses. and We're going to look at verse 4 and verse 5. So when Jesus gives this advice, he has three pieces of advice to give. This dead church here. He gives a, a recipe, if you will, for revival that quickly and quite frankly is, is going to sound strangely familiar to many of us. Here's the first thing he tells them in the first part of, of verse three there. Remember the past. Remember the past. It's a good thing to remember the past. We don't want to stay there and we don't want to dwell there. and We don't want to go back there. But we do need to remember the past because this is a church that had once been a great organism, but now it's become a stale organization. So he says to them, remember then what you received and heard. And so Jesus says, go back In your past think back in your past remember how it was when you first came to faith in Jesus how you were on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ here's what Jesus knew Jesus knew something that it took 2,000 years of psychiatrists to learn and that is that the memory is a very powerful thing once before to the church at Ephesus when you go back to Revelation 2 verse 5 in that letter Jesus said remember Remember, therefore, from where you came, where you have fallen, Whenever a psychiatrist is trying to deal with a person's emotional problems, one of the things that they do is to try to get that person to talk about their childhood. And the reason is, is that they're trying to draw out of that person's memory or past something that will help them to discover why they are the way they are, why they have the problems that they have, because we're all a product of our past. We're all a product of all of our surrounding that we grew up with, and and even to this point in this Day that we surround ourselves with today. And so, Jesus, knowing what a powerful tool the memory is, says to this church, Remember your past. In other words, go back to when you were earning that reputation as a great church, as a church that was on fire for God. Dr. W.A. Criswell, he tells a story or told a story years ago. Uh, When he was living about a a soul winning incident that involved the memory and he was preaching uh, in an old uh, West Texas country church and somebody had challenged him to go to this man uh, who was uh, very hardened to the gospel and see if he could win this man to Christ. And many had tried and many had failed to bring this man to the Lord. So Dr. Criswell uh, went out to this man's farm and his wife said he was out in the field with the cows. And so he went out there uh, to the field and this hardened man, he looked at him and evidently he recognized Dr. Criswell and he said, I know who you are. There's no need for you to come talk to me. Others have tried, and he said, I'm not interested in hearing anything you have to say. And Dr. Criswell said he tried every way in the world to talk to that man about Jesus, but he wouldn't listen. And Dr. Criswell said that he sadly turned away to leave that man, and suddenly a thought hit him. And he turned around and he said, Sir, would you mind telling me about your mother? And he said, when he said that, that man began to share what a godly Christian mother he had. How his mother had prayed for him. How his mother had taken him to church. Had read the scriptures to him. And and had showed him in her own life that burning love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Dr. Criswell said that this man, as he began to talk about his mother, his lips began to quiver. And his eyes began to fill up with tears. And it wasn't any time until that man said to him, preacher... I'll be down there at the church tonight. And that man came to that church that night and when Dr. Criswell preached and he gave the invitation. That man came forward and he said this. He said, because of Jesus and in honor of my saintly mother, I want to publicly profess my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. There must be that remembrance of the past. But as we said before, we don't want to stay there. Remember where you were in the past. But here's the second thing that he's telling them to do. Repent in the present. Repent in the present. Look at the second part in verse 3. Remember then what you received and heard. And then notice he says, keep it and repent. Hold fast and repent. It's a very interesting thing that in every letter where Jesus has a word of criticism, he always gives as a part of the remedy to repent. Always somebody has said that the shortest road to repentance is remembrance But we need also understand that the only road to revival is repentance Understand that repentance is not merely just understanding in our minds that there's a problem or even just being sorry about the problem repentance is turning from the problem and turning to jesus turning to the solution so repentance isn't just being broken about your sin it's it's to be broken from your sin and jesus was saying to this dead church don't sit there mourning over this dead corpse of a church get down on your knees repent of your sins and ask god to raise that church up from the dead he has the power over death He he did that. There's always hope for a dead church. Because if God could raise Jesus from the dead, if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead, the Holy Spirit can raise a church from the dead. So if you ever find yourself in a church that is dead, pray for that church. Pray for the Holy Spirit to bring life into that church, to revive that church, to, to bring that church alive, to resurrect it literally From the dead. But that requires repenting in the present. Then notice the third thing he says. In the last part of verse 3. Be ready for the future. Remember. Repent. Because he says if you will not wake up. I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour. I will come against you. When a church remembers and then a church repents, it will be resurrected. A dead church will. A dying church will be revived because repentance is always the key link in this chain. Someone has well said that true repentance has a double aspect. It looks upon things past with a weeping eye, but it looks on things future with a watchful eye. A revived church is a church that is watching, that is working, and that is waiting for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will not be overtaken like a thief in the night. Notice the final point here. The remnant in the church. You see it in verse 4 down through verse 6. So verse 4 begins and says, Yet you still have a few names... In Sardis. People who have not sold their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. We're going to just look at that first part there. Yet you set to have still a few names in Sardis. What he's saying is that even in this dead church, there were a faithful few who were filled with spiritual life. This church didn't have a moral majority, but thank God they had a moral minority. In this church, it was kind of like Gideon's 300. You remember the story of Gideon and how God whittled it down to just 300 to overtake an army of thousands? In this church, we're we're kind of like in Daniel's day. Uh, There were three men who wouldn't bend, who wouldn't bow, who wouldn't budge. And I tell you that if God sends revival to a church, if God sends revival to a nation, it won't be through a moral majority. It'll be through a faithful few. It is the faithful few that God has so often used to keep the fire burning, to keep the spark churning, to send revival if he sends it at all. So notice it was a virtuous remnant. It was a virtuous remnant. So he said, you have a few names in Sardis. People who have not soiled their garments. (coughs) And they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. So, you know, white is symbolic in the Bible uh, as a color for purity, particularly as we see in the book of Revelation. For example, we've already read about the white stone uh, that he will give us with a new name on it. uh, We're going to read about the white cloud. Uh, We read about the white horses in the the book of Revelation. And then we're told that we're going to stand before a great white throne. Uh, this color represents purity and cleanliness. There were people in Sardis who had kept themselves pure from the world, who had kept themselves holy to the Lord, who had kept the light shining brightly. They kept, fire, they kept the fire burning hot for the Lord uh, because they had kept themselves pure, and they were, uh, they were going to be clothed in purity because purity not only desires purity, purity deserves purity. Well, there was a remnant at Sardis here, just a few people who had maintained that walk with God, who had remained filled with the Holy Spirit, who were madly in love with Jesus Christ. They didn't give one iota about the reputation of the past. All they knew was the reality. And they were praying for revival. They were praying for resurrection of their church. John Wesley, the great preacher of old, said, You give me a hundred men who hate nothing but sin and love nothing but Jesus, and I will turn this world upside down for God. Oh, that we would be a part of that few who are faithful and fervent in our prayers before the Lord and in our walk before God. That we would remain filled with the Holy Spirit, that we might be powerful in our prayers, that we might be a virtuous remnant. But notice also it was a victorious remnant. Notice verse 5. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name out of the book of life. I will confess before my Father. I'll confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you understand exactly what Jesus is saying here? Do you remember Jesus saying uh, back in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, when he said, Whoever denies me before men, I also will do what? Deny him before who? My Father who is in heaven. And so this is a fulfillment of that promise. One of these days, those who have overcome, those who have remained faithful, those who have remained true to Jesus are going to be taken by the hands of Jesus Christ. We're going to be led up past all those ranks of angels down those streets of gold uh, in glory. We're going to be led up past the the cherubim and and the seraphim. We're going to be led right up to the very throne of God itself. And before all those myriads of angels and the seraphim and the cherubim and before the tribes and the nations of this earth, Jesus is going to introduce us one by one, name by name, and he's going to say, Father, this is your faithful servant. And like another father that we read about in the Gospel of Luke, he's going to say, bring out the best robe. What color is the robe going to be? White. And he's going to put it around us, and it's going to be a robe just like the one Jesus is wearing. I want to tell you, I wouldn't trade all that for any, all the silver, all the gold, all the diamonds, all the money, all the riches and the wealth, all the fame and the fortune that this world could ever give. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. And it pays in riches untold and riches foretold that will come to him for those who come to him who remain faithful, who remain true, who remain pure, who remain faithful to the end, who hold fast to the Lord Jesus Christ. What a message to a dead church. That even in a dead church, there's still hope. Isn't that awesome? That no matter how bad you may think even... So think about the church. Who is the church? It's not the building. It's not the building at Sardis. It's the people at Sardis. It's the people at Pergamum. It's the people at Ephesus. It's the people at Thyatira. It's the people at Hyland. It's us. And so he's speaking to us. And he's saying here about us, no matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum, you may be at a place where you are spiritually dry. You are spiritually dead. There is still hope for you. You haven't drawn your last dying breath. He's not finished with you yet until you do that. Then it's too late to make that decision. So until we draw that last dying breath, he is wanting us to call out to him. He is wanting us to say, God, send life into me. Send the Holy Spirit into my heart. Bring life to me. Resurrect this dead body of mine spiritually. And give me the life and the excitement and the fervency that I once had when I first came to faith in Christ. <sighs> Sends chill bumps over me. But think about when I first came to Jesus. And how excited I was and I couldn't wait to get baptized. I couldn't wait for people to know that I was a Christian. You know, somewhere along the way we lost that, didn't we? We didn't want to say that too much to people. We didn't want them to know that we were a Christian. Because we might lose that friend. I pray that we would be filled with that excitement. That we would not just be living on the laurels of the past. But that we would right here in the present. We can't worry about what's going to happen yet still out there in the future. We can just make decisions today that affect our future. And so make that decision today. Lord, I need to be closer to you than ever before. So I want to challenge you. I, I wrote this in our church newsletter. If you've not downloaded that, you didn't receive that in the mail, go on our website, highlandbaptistchurch.com, go to the info tab, download it there, a message that I put in the newsletter there, that I want to challenge you for 10 days during this month to spend time earnestly, fervently in prayer, morning, noon, and night, middle of the day, anytime. doesn't have to be that specific time. doesn't have to be specifically 12 o'clock. But do that for 10 days. And I guarantee you, after those 10 days, your life will be changed. You'll be closer to the Lord than you've ever been. You may go through some difficult things because the devil's going to throw everything he can at you to keep you from doing that because he knows that the closer we draw to the Lord, the more we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the more we're filled with his power, and we become a church that is alive, that is powerful, that is making an impact in the darkness around us. And the devil doesn't want that. So he's going to throw everything he can at you. But you remain faithful to the end. And just as he says here, when we remain faithful, he will bless us. What an awesome message to the church at Sardis. You could have wrote it off and said that's it, it's done. But Jesus, even still looking at them dead, looked at them like he did at Lazarus and said, come forth. Wake up! You can still be alive, even right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this passage. This passage that brings us so much hope, even in the light of such spiritual darkness. That even in a church, Lord, that was dead, you can still bring life. Lord, we hear... All the time around us and all across our nation and all around the world, of churches that are closing their doors for the last time. Churches, Lord, that are dead. And Lord, when we say that, so often we think about a building that's closing its doors, but in reality, as believers who've given up, who've quit, who've said there's just no hope, no reason to try because they've been depending on themselves and they've been living off the laurels of the past rather than trusting in you and being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray right now that in churches all across this nation, and let's just get a little closer, Lord, churches right here in this county, in this area, that are dead churches. And Lord, we're not the great physician. So, So Lord, we ask you to look into our hearts We ask you to look into our lives and do your spiritual examination. Lord, so often when we find the physical examination, we don't like the the report that comes back. We may not like the report that you bring back about our heart and about our life. Father, I pray whatever the report is, even if we find out that you're saying about us as an individual, I'm sorry. You're dead. Help us to know, Lord, it's still not over. It's not the end. But just like with Lazarus, just like with Jesus, who was resurrected on the third day, you can resurrect these old dead bones in our lives. So send the fresh wind of your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. Even in the body of people that are members here at this church. Lord, that if we're dead, may we be resurrected to new life. If we are dying, Lord, may we hold fast to the things that we once knew and the, 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 the faith and the, the, the truth that was given to us. And Father, I pray that we would get back to the relationship with you and make that the priority. Father, I pray that you would revive us. Lord, those who are being faithful, that few, that remnant, Father, I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us even tenfold, more so than ever before, that we would keep praying and we would be fervent in our prayers. And that at least for these ten days in this month, Lord, whatever ten days we decide to put aside, Lord, that we would spend that time in fervent prayer, morning, in the middle of the day, and in the evening. And Father, I pray that it wouldn't just be uh, the, that little passing prayer that we pray so often, Lord, bless this day. Lord, bless me as I go to sleep tonight. Lord, bless the food that we eat. But Lord, that it would be a fervent, earnest prayer, no matter what amount of time that may be, if it's five minutes, if it's an hour, whatever time it may be, that it would be fervent, that it would be faithful, that it would be real. And that we would say, Lord, whatever it takes, use me. Do in me what you need to do, to bring me to where you need me to be, to do what you want me to do. Bless us, Lord. Bless us for having heard this word. Bless us for having read this word. And I pray in the days ahead, you would bless us for keeping this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining with us tonight. Hope you got a blessing from this letter to the church at Sardis. Uh, Next week will be the church at Philadelphia. And I encourage you to join us again next Wednesday night in the Book of Revelation. Uh, We'll be here that night at six o'clock, but we'll be here again this Sunday morning. So come and join us in person if you can, at 915 for Sunday School, 1030 for worship. We'll see you again online there on YouTube, Twitter, on Facebook, and our phone live streaming if you are not able to come and join us in person. You have a blessed week, you stay safe, and you be faithful to do what the Word of God has told us to do tonight. So we'll see you then.